Shema Yisrael. Welcome to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries with Aaron Budgen. Aaron discovered Jesus is his Messiah while preparing to be a rabbi. He now teaches for several organizations and is the teaching pastor for Living God Ministries. Strongly distinguishing between the Old and New Covenants, Aaron presents the scriptures from a Judaic and historical frame of reference. Join Aaron now as he reveals the reality foreshadowed and the new life we can now experience because of what the Lord Jesus accomplished for us. When it comes to the subject of salvation, there exists a perpetual debate among people who identify themselves as Christian. This debate has to do with the question of can a person lose their salvation or not? In this program, I'm going to begin to deal with this question of can a person lose their salvation or can they never lose their salvation? If a person is saved once, are they always saved? That's what I'm going to begin to deal with in this program. Now, before I begin, before I start, I have to say that this is a discussion, this is a debate that has gone on, as far as I can tell, as long as the Christian church has existed. From what I can tell, this has been a discussion, a debate, since the Lord Jesus began his ministry. In fact, if we were to look at the discussions of the Pharisees, this was a conversation that took place before the time of Christ. And so this question, this issue has a long history to it, and because of that, I think I can say with great confidence that with this program, I will not end the debate. It is very unlikely that this program is going to end this debate once and for all, because people are going to make choices, they are going to make decisions about what they are going to believe, and no matter how convincing I may be, no matter how much truth I may express, the consequences related to these truths might very well outweigh the truths themselves. And I know that might sound a little bit odd because you're probably accustomed to people arguing points on the basis of truth. But I personally have found in my long history of having discussions with people that while a person may say that the truth is more important to them, it might not be. There might be other things that are more important to them and they are willing to lie, or they are willing to believe a lie, or live according to a lie, because the consequences of believing the truth might be beyond what they are willing to accept. And that really is the issue, in my opinion. The issue, in my opinion, is not really this question, although it is an important question, and it should be answered, and it should be addressed. But when it comes to the issues of debate... What I have discovered is I have debated with many people about this topic. What I have discovered is that no matter how convincing a person may be in the debate, no matter how convincing an argument might be, it is the consequences that a person will have to face, what they will have to give up, or what they might have to change. It is the consequences that will eventually outweigh, in most cases, will eventually outweigh the discussion of truth. And it is unfortunate. I do not believe it should be that way. But I'm going to say that up front in this program, that to me, when it comes to a debate about this subject, this is where it normally leads. Now, there are many arguments and there are many passages in the scriptures that a person could start with when it comes to this subject. 
But I'm going to begin by summarizing the entire argument the best way I can with two specific questions. The first question is, is there a point when God might reject a person and declare they are no longer saved? Or the second question is, is there a point when a person might reject God and declare they are no longer saved? It's either God is going to reject an individual and declare that they are no longer saved, or a person is going to reject God and officially take the position that they are no longer saved or they are no longer a part of the kingdom of heaven. Will a person turn away from God, or will God turn away from that person? When it comes to the arguments that usually unfold, when it comes to this question of can a person lose their salvation, these are the most common questions that get addressed. Now, when I speak with people in general, I find that most everyone has an opinion about this. Most everyone who I speak with about these two questions of will God reject an individual or will a saved individual reject God, just about everyone has an opinion about these questions. But just because we have opinions about these questions, just because we believe that we have the answers concerning these questions, that doesn't necessarily mean that we are correct. We have to begin by acknowledging that if there is a God, which I, of course, believe there certainly is, to me the evidence is overwhelming to show that there is, if there is a God, though, if we assume and recognize that there truly is a God, then perhaps he has an opinion about this subject. While we may have our opinions, if there is a God at all, then he most certainly I believe that we can say with absolute certainty that he has an opinion about this subject, about these questions. So while we may argue with each other about these issues, to me, the most important thing to try to keep in mind is that he has an opinion about this and that his opinion is the one that's really going to matter. In other words, we might agree with each other but that doesn't necessarily mean that he agrees with us. Or we might completely disagree with each other. That could mean that one person is wrong and the other person is right. Or it could mean that both people are wrong. Neither one of them are correct. But regardless of what we think, it is his position that will really matter. And I believe that if we will acknowledge that with each other when we disagree with each other, then we can perhaps have a little bit more patience with each other. We might be able to have a little bit more respect towards each other when it comes to these kinds of discussions because these discussions can become very complex and they can lead to a lot of frustration because of the differences and the concerns that people have, the interests that they have and the consequences that they may face in the event that they feel compelled to change their belief, to change their opinion. So to me, the important thing for us to keep in mind is that God has an opinion concerning this and that we should put out some significant effort to discover what he says, what he believes about this subject. Now, to do this, most people will begin to go through the scriptures and do what people will often refer to as proof texting. We have an opinion, we have a position, and we look for verses that support our position that is an exercise of proving a certain statement by using various verses. Now, what will often happen is that people will have one set of verses 
that will support their position, and yet the other person will have another set of verses that will support their position. Sometimes they will argue over the same verse and say that we are looking at the same verse and we are trying to use it to support our individual positions. But of course, in using the same verse, that has to mean that we interpret the verse in different ways. That people will look at a specific verse in the scriptures and they will say, you know, when I read that, I read something different than what you are reading. We might be looking at the same words, but to me, it means something else. When it comes to those verses, it is unusual to come to a resolution when it comes to these kinds of discussions. But that's normally how people address this subject, as they go through the scriptures and compile their list of verses and say, this is what the Lord has said, and so because this is what the Lord has said, this supports my belief, this supports my position, and the verses that you are reading, well, I read them differently, they mean something else, and so we should just simply agree to disagree, I suppose. In this program, I'm not going to do that. In the next program, I will probably spend some time talking about these individual verses because we do have to look at them and we do have to consider them. And I will, of course, explain what I read when I read those verses in order to help you to perhaps understand what I believe is conveyed there. And perhaps you'll agree with me. Maybe you won't. But that will be your decision. I can only testify of what I truly believe in, of what I see, of what I understand, And I will be honest about what I believe and what I understand. If I am wrong, I am going to at least be wrong out of the honesty of what I do believe. Instead of going through the scriptures in that way and presenting this subject in that context, I'm going to ask a different question. What I mean by a different question is that it is unusual for anyone to consider this question when it comes to this discussion, when it comes to this debate about can a person lose their salvation or not? This is a question that I don't recall ever seeing anyone really deal with when it comes to this topic. The question is, what is salvation? Now, this is a very important question, because if two people have different definitions of what salvation is, well, then they can easily come to different conclusions about can a person lose their salvation or not. This is a source of frustration that I believe can be eliminated in the discussions that people have if they will just simply address the question, deal with the question of what is salvation anyway? What is the gospel that defines salvation, that defines if a person can be saved or not, or what does it mean to be saved at all? If we deal with this question, then we can perhaps agree on what the gospel is, which will lead to a conclusion concerning whether a person can lose their salvation or not, or we can agree that we believe in two different gospels. We believe in two different definitions of what salvation is. And if that's the case, then let's just agree that we do not agree and end the discussion, get on with our lives, proceed with the ministry that we believe our God has called us to, or the life that our God has called us to, and end the discussion. Just simply leave it at that. Now, I, of course, have done many programs on the subject of the gospel, and so in this program, I'm not going to go through absolute details. 
I'm not going to give you a complete description of what I believe the gospel is. I don't have that much time in this program. I have done this in other programs. In this program, I'm going to give you a summary. I have done a program on what is the gospel. In the series that I produced on the subject of forgiveness, I spent a lot of time addressing the question of what is the gospel. And so do take the time to go to the radio archive that I have at livinggodministries.net and listen to those programs. Make notes about the specific verses that I mention and consider spending some time seriously dealing with the question of what is the gospel. But in this program, I will summarize it and explain its application. The gospel that I believe in is the good news about what the Lord our God did in order to solve a specific problem between us and our God, between he and us. The specific problem that he addressed is composed of two parts. The problem began in the Garden of Eden when God created Adam and Eve. The problem was that God told Adam and Eve that they were not to eat from the one tree in the garden that he reserved for himself. That was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He gave the commandment, this is found in Genesis chapter 1, Genesis chapter 2, he gave the commandment that in the day that you eat from that tree, you will surely die. Now, according to the definition of life that he gave within Adam, the definition of life to me is well described as the Holy Spirit of God was breathed within Adam and Eve, and they became living beings because of the presence of the life of God dwelling within them, specifically the Holy Spirit of God. The commandment that God gave to Adam and Eve was, "...in the day that you eat from that tree you will surely die." I believe that the evidence shows that what he was referring to was the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of life. That is what they would lose. That is what would depart from within them. They would still be physically alive. The evidence shows that Adam lived to be 930 years old. They had children. They were certainly quite active for a couple of dead people. To me, it was a spiritual death that the Holy Spirit of God departed from within them leaving them in a new condition. Now, this to me describes two problems that will have to be addressed. The first problem is the issue of sin. The second problem is the issue of the spiritual death that occurred because of their rejection of God. Those are two issues that together, put together, to me, they describe the bad news. The bad news is that we have sin, we are sinful people, we continue to sin, The sin issue is going to have to be addressed. But in addition to that, he's going to have to address the spiritual death of humanity. The fact that the Holy Spirit of God does not dwell within people anymore. And that this is a perpetual problem that will continue to exist because when people are born into this world, they are born in the image of Adam, not in the image of God. And I did a program on the subject of the image of God. You can listen to that in the radio archive also. But for now, I want to stay focused on this issue of the two-part problem that will have to be resolved. Now, the good news, the gospel, is that God has resolved this problem. The problem of sin was resolved by the crucifixion. It was resolved by the Messiah, providing propitiation for our sins. What that means is, is that 
We owed a debt that we could not pay, and so he paid a debt on our behalf so that the debt will never again be held against us. This debt that I am referring to as sin, or I am referring to sin as a debt, either way, this is an issue that was resolved through the death of the Messiah. The event of the crucifixion was that Jesus died on the cross, and the meaning for that event, or the meaning of that event, was that through the death of the Messiah, the Lord forgave the sins of the entire world. Forgave the sins of the world so that he could officially declare that he has reconciled the world to himself, no longer counting anyone's sins against them. As it is written, our God reconciled the world unto himself, no longer holding our sins against us. He did that in order to resolve the sin issue, but there is still the spiritual death issue that will have to be resolved. The spiritual death issue was resolved by restoring the Holy Spirit to people through the resurrection. It was the resurrection of the Messiah that made this possible. The Lord Jesus rose from the dead in order to accomplish a number of things, to declare that he really was who he said he was, in order to show that our sins have been completely resolved. But he also said that he needed to do this so that he could send the Holy Spirit down to us. The same Spirit that rose him from the dead would also raise us from the dead, and that it would be offered to us, the Holy Spirit of God would be offered to us as a free gift for anyone who would truly be willing to receive what God has to offer. Now, there is criteria concerning receiving the Holy Spirit of God. The criteria is not complicated. You just simply have to acknowledge your condition. If you don't acknowledge that you have sin that needs to be forgiven, then the forgiveness of God will have no meaning to you. And if the forgiveness of God has no meaning to you, then the restoration of the Holy Spirit will have no meaning either. And so the criteria for receiving the Holy Spirit is an understanding and an acceptance of your condition related to sin, and that it was this sin that resulted in the absence of the Holy Spirit from within you, if you will not acknowledge your condition, you are not going to be able to receive his provision. His provision is the Holy Spirit, and so through the acknowledgement of the need for forgiveness, the acceptance of the forgiveness that we have already received because of what the Lord our God did on our behalf, through that we can then also receive the Holy Spirit that he has promised. And through the presence of the Holy Spirit within us, we will be resurrected right now. We will be made alive right now. He describes this as being born again by the Holy Spirit of God. That, to me, is the definition of salvation. Salvation is being made alive. Salvation has to do with taking a dead person and making them alive. This is accomplished through forgiveness because the law is still in effect. The law is that when you sin, you die. Well, this can be a problem because, if you haven't noticed, we continue to sin. So if we continue to sin, then the next time we sin, the Holy Spirit will depart from within us, and that shouldn't take you very long. It probably wouldn't take me very long either. This is why it was necessary for God to deal with the sin issue once and for all. 
He dealt with it once and for all so that there would be no sin that would cause the Holy Spirit to depart from within us ever again. And so this is how I will answer the first question of, is there a point when God might reject a person and declare they are no longer saved? If the definition of salvation is the restoration of the Holy Spirit on a permanent basis because no sin will be held against an individual ever again that will result in the loss of the Holy Spirit that dwells within us, if that is the definition of salvation, then the answer to the question is certainly no. It is not possible for God to reject a person who has been saved. He will never kill them. He will never put them to death. He will always have a place for them among the living, with the living God and the living people who are in his kingdom. We will have a place there because he has made us alive and he's not going to kill us again if this is the definition of salvation. And of course, I believe that this is the correct definition of what salvation is. But that is how I describe the gospel. There are many other people who describe the gospel differently. For example, the description that I gave concerning forgiveness. There are many people who will say that forgiveness is salvation, not the restoration of the Holy Spirit. Now, they will generally agree that the Holy Spirit will dwell within you, but for the most part, their definition of salvation has to do with the acceptance of forgiveness. This can, of course, lead to some other concerns. For example, what happens when you sin again? What will be the means by which we obtain further forgiveness for the sins that we commit. And there are, of course, all kinds of scriptural gymnastics that people go through in order to resolve that. And I'm not going to address that in this program. I'm going to go ahead and address this in the next program because I'm just about out of time for this one. Instead, I'd like to look at the second question that I referred to at the beginning of this program. That is, will there be a point or could there be a point when a person might reject God and declare they are no longer saved. In other words, can a person commit suicide? Can they commit spiritual suicide? Is there some way that a person can remove or extract the Holy Spirit that dwells within them? Is that possible? Is there any way that a person who has been made alive by the Holy Spirit of God, is there any possible way that they can get rid of the Holy Spirit. If we consider the law of sin and death with regards to the Holy Spirit, we could suggest that if a person commits sin, then by definition the Holy Spirit should depart. But there's a problem with that, and that is that if God has forgiven us of all of our sins, then what sin could he possibly hold against us anymore? This is the reason why I am not willing to agree with the doctrine of spiritual suicide. I don't know if they actually call it that, but that's what I call it. I call it the doctrine of spiritual suicide, that it is a teaching that people believe that you can kill yourself, you can get rid of the Holy Spirit, but I personally see no way that that can possibly take place. What I do know is that there are people who esteem to be Christians who proclaim that they are believers, and yet they do leave the faith. They do abandon the faith, and they eventually declare that they're no longer believers. Now, when people look at this, they have to consider, well, then, this is a person who was probably saved, and then they became lost, which means that they lost their salvation. They did it willingly, which means that they made the choice to commit spiritual suicide. But that's a huge assumption, in my opinion. 
I believe it is a huge assumption to assume that these people were really saved to begin with. Now, if you want to assume that they were saved to begin with, then I can understand why there would be some concerns. I can understand that. I can appreciate that. But I have to state that this is a big assumption. Now, I have personally put out a significant amount of effort. I really have. I've put out a lot of effort to speak with people when I encounter a person who says they were once a Christian and they now are not a Christian. And I would, of course, like to encourage you to do the same. When you encounter somebody like that, you should take the time to have some conversations with them. I do this. I have done this. I will continue to do this. And when I do this, I make sure that I always ask the same question. And that is, what is your understanding of the gospel? What do you believe about the gospel? And their answers, the answers that I have received from those who I have encountered, who claimed that they were once a Christian and now are not, they did not give me an acceptable answer that would suggest to me that they had any idea what it meant to be a Christian, what the gospel really was, and in most cases, who God really is at all. So speaking from my personal experience, which I, of course, will speak about because I'm not going to rely on somebody else's opinion concerning this, I will say with great conviction that I personally have never encountered anyone who was saved and lost their salvation. I have never encountered anyone that would convince me that such a person can exist. But the reason why I believe that is because of my definition of the gospel. If I use other Gospels as my definition, then I could find a few people, I'm sure, who would conform to that definition, and I could say that, yes, under that criteria, a person could be saved, and under that criteria, a person can fall away, or they can step aside, or let go of their salvation, or abandon the faith. I could say that according to different criteria. But with the definition of the Gospel that I believe is true, I have never encountered anyone who lost their salvation because they chose to reject the gospel and the living God. And I will continue with this in the next program. You have been listening to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries. You can hear all of our programs for free through our radio archive at livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Do help us develop new radio programs and continue broadcasting on this and other radio stations. Send your contributions to Living God Ministries, P.O. Box 383-53, Colorado Springs, Colorado, 80937. Or use the donation link on our website, livinggodministries.net that is livinggodministries.net